there was a married couple uh, who had an argument. And at the end of the argument, they ended up giving each other the silent treatment. Right? The silent treatment. Um, two days into their silent treatment, mute argument, um, the, the husband had to leave. The next day, he had to go to uh, a, a work event. He was out of town. He had to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning to make sure he didn't miss his flight. And, but, but he was stubborn. He was stubborn, right? We don't know anything about being stubborn, right? But he was stubborn. And he wasn't going to be the one to, to break this, this mute argument. And so he grabs a piece of paper and he writes down, I have to be up by 5 o'clock in the morning. Please make sure I am awake. Please tell me so I wake up. Because he didn't want to speak, so he thought if I write down, it'll be okay. And he goes to sleep, and he wakes up in the morning to find out that it was 9 o'clock, and he had missed his flight. And uh, his wife wasn't there. Um, she was already awake and, and up doing different things, and and uh, he, he wakes up, and he's just frustrated. And, and he's going to go, and he's going to tell her, you didn't wake me up. And he looks right beside his pillow is a note saying, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. Wake up, sweetheart. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe uh, if that's you, come to the marriage conference that we're talking about. No, I'm just kidding. No, in all, in all seriousness, though, um, we, we know that, that marriages have ups and downs. There are times that are great and times of struggle. Um, this marriage conference is for both. Um, just because you come to a marriage conference doesn't mean that your marriage is, is a mess, right? And so please hear me when I say that. Um, it is a time of blessing. Now let me just put this in. Um, it is spring outside today, and I've been telling Elsie and Rachel throughout the week how much I love snow, and I've been wanting snow and hoping for snow. And guess when snow is supposed to come? Friday and Saturday, right? Uh, actually, as of yesterday, they were saying 3 to 5 on Friday night and 3 to 5 Saturday morning. Um, so, uh, they've changed it now. Now it's one to three, sat, one to three Friday night, and one. Anyways, it's going to keep changing until Friday or Saturday. So, uh, if you're planning on coming to the marriage conference, and we have snow, we will reschedule. Um, but please check the website and the church Facebook, and we'll keep you updated that way. Um, but it's going to be a great time. I encourage you to come out, and hopefully the snow passes us. I don't say that very often, but hopefully this weekend the snow. Passes us. The Apostles' Creed. Today we begin a 12-week series looking at the Apostles' Creed. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Apostles' Creed? You've heard it before? Okay, so maybe you grew up Presbyterian or, or Lutheran or Methodist, and man, you said the Apostles' Creed every single week. Maybe you grew up Catholic. You said the Apostles' Creed every single week, and, and you're saying, wow, this is, this is great, right? I, I grew up with this, and, and maybe you grew up more Baptist, and and. Man, we don't say any creeds, right? We, we don't say any creeds, and, and maybe you're a little bit worried this morning. So let me, this, the sermon this morning is to explain why we're studying the creed, the value of the creed, and how we're actually going to be studying the creed. I believe that by studying the Apostles' Creed, it's going to help us to accomplish multiple things. But two of the things that's going to help us to accomplish is to grow deeper and reach farther. If you remember last week, we, we talked about the the new tagline of, of Mount Vernon, growing deeper, reaching farther, but also uh, this verse in Colossians, which says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
So why in the world would we do a series on a creed, on the Apostles' Creed? Well, the word creed comes from the word credo, which means... Crickets, right? <laughs> it doesn't mean crickets. No, it means to believe, right? To believe. All right, this idea of, of believing, and I, I hope there's three things that we accomplish out of this study. The first thing is this. I hope that this study on the Apostles' Creed brings clarity, clarity, clarity to us as believers in who God is, who is Jesus, as we continue to work through these things, clarity on our beliefs. <coughs> Excuse me, maybe you're a new believer, a uh, baby Christian, um, and, and some of these terms in the Apostles' Creed are, are unfamiliar to you. Maybe you've always struggled viewing God as a father because maybe your father wasn't what you hope to be in a father. Or, or maybe you struggle with something like the forgiveness of sins. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But clarity in understanding who God is. I, the second thing I, I hope that it brings is depth. Depth. Growing deeper. I pray that the, this, this series, and by studying the Apostles' Creed, it will help you to defend your faith at a deeper level. Um, you, you know, the, the day and age that we live in today... Um, and actually, the Bible says this in, in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to make a defense for the hope that you have. Right? Always be ready. And, and if I asked you this morning, if I said, can you tell me, uh, you know, who is God? What would your answer be? Who is Jesus? What was the importance of, of the virgin birth? Why did Jesus have to die and, and come back to life? Things that are, are essential in the Christian Faith. And so clarity, number one, that it will, will help us to understand and see things better. Depth, to help us gain a deeper understanding of our theology, why we believe what we believe. And the third thing is this, it's unity. Right? So you have clarity, depth, and unity. Unity that when we stand up, because at the end we're all going to stand up and we're going to say it together right? for the next 12 weeks. And at the end of 12 weeks, you will know the Apostles' Creed. And the reason is this, is because then you look at the person next to you and you say, okay, we believe the same thing. And there's unity in it. You know, just because, you know, you guys are Eagles fans and now we're on the same uh, watching schedule for our teams, right? We'll watch them again in August. But, um, no, I'm just kidding. That was a little, little jab. But um, we can still worship together, right? Just because you might prefer one instrument over another, we can still worship together. But, but see, if we disagree on the deity of Christ, then we're disagreeing over the gospel. And so when we stand up together in unity and, and, and walk through this creed, we, we're saying, I believe what you believe, even though we have some differences in our lives, right? Some people like hymns and other people like more contemporary music. Some people like to come to church dressed in a coat and tie and some people like to come to church dressed in a t-shirt and shorts. And the reality of it is those things, dare I say it, don't matter. Don't matter. Clarity, depth, and unity. So where did the creed come from? You know, there's, there's an old uh, legend, and we don't deal much with legends, but I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of background because the reality of it is we don't have much evidence to point back to an exact author of the creed, but, but the legend was that the 12 apostles sat down after the ascension and they each came up with one statement. Um, it sounds wonderful, but most likely that's not what happened. Um, we don't know exactly where the creed came from. We know that it, it probably came about sometime between the 2nd and 3rd century. 
uh, which gives us some more understanding of why things are said the way that they are. The church has been reciting this for close to 2,000 years. So it's important that we pay attention to it. I want you to understand this morning as we, we begin, this is the kind of the introduction series where we're not actually, we're going to actually look at the first three words of the creed this morning, I believe in, right? Um, but, but it's important that we understand how we're looking at the creed. Um, we're looking at the creed through the lens of the gospel. So uh, Pastor Matt Chandler, he, he gives a wonderful example of the creed and the Bible. And here's what he says, the creed functions sort of like the moon. Now, the moon by itself, does it shine brightly? It doesn't, right? The only way that you see the moon at night is because it's reflecting the light of the sun. I, I knew you were here with me this morning. The light of the sun. But did you know this? That the, the moon only reflects um, up to about 15% of the light that the sun shines on the moon. So the creed in and of itself is not exhaustive. Right? Meaning it doesn't say everything about who God is, everything about who Jesus is, but the reality of it is neither do our own statement of faith. What we have to understand is that just because it doesn't touch on every single issue, it does not, <coughs> it does not mean that it's ineffective or untrue. Um, as a matter of fact, the Apostles' Creed is consistent with the teaching of Scripture, the teaching of the Apostles, right? And that's why we're going to look at it and study it over the next 12 weeks. Um, you know, churches have creeds. We just call them something different. We call them a statement of faith, right? And as we stand, uh, have people join in membership, right? People will come up to the front and will say, do you agree with our statement of faith, our summary of certain aspects of scripture which are non-negotiable in our mind? And people say yes, saying that they are going that they agree and believe with that. And the same thing would have happened with the early creed. Not with church membership, but it was something that was recited by the body. See, they didn't all have copies of the Bible to carry around and sit down together with. They couldn't open their app and, and, and pull up, okay, today we're going to talk about 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians, because the Bible had not been copied yet to that extent. Instead, they would write down copies of the creed, and it was passed out to different places, and they would say it in unison. Some people believe that part of Philippians 2 is also a creed. So, so we see these things, and, and sometimes people will say, man, I, I, just, I, I don't like the creeds, I don't like things like that, but there's so much value and richness and so much that can be learned when you look at the creed like the moon. And you realize that we're not preaching the Apostles' Creed over the next 12 weeks. We're going to be looking at Scripture through the different points that the Apostles' Creed brings out. 1 Peter 3.15, I mentioned this before, but it says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I'm going to read the, the creed to you this morning, but I want to clarify two things before I do it. First of all, in the creed, there's the statement, the Holy Catholic Church. It does not mean the Roman Catholic Church, right? The word Catholic means universal, right? The holy body of Christ. 
That's what it's saying there. And the second thing, he descended to hell, and we're going to have some great conversation about that when we get to that week. There are some different thoughts. But let me read the creed to you this morning. It says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. (laughs) I think we're missing a slide here. And in Jesus Christ, that's right. I'm just going to read that part. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. And when we read it together, let's all say amen. I know some of us this morning, some some of us will say amen or amen, right? The different songs that we sing, you know, there's that old uh, kid song that's amen. You know that song? Amen. Right? But then when we sing the doxology, how do we end the doxology? Amen, right? And so we're going to say amen as we read it together. That way it doesn't sound like we're on different pages. But the creed starts with with two words or three words, and it says this, I believe in. Now, why doesn't it start with I know? Did you ever think about that before? Why doesn't it start with I know? You know, if, if you go on our website, you'll see Mount Vernon Christian Church's Statement of Faith or, or the um, Alliance of Uh, Mennonite Evangelical Churches, AMEC, you can go on and see their statement of faith, and they all say, we believe, not we know. Why is that? It's because (coughs) believing something leads to a change in one's life. Knowing something doesn't necessarily do that. For example, we all know how important exercise is. Was that, a, was that an intentional timing cough there, John? <laughs> no, but we all know how important exercise is. But, but the reality of it is, how many of us exercise as much as we should, even though we know it, right? And we could go on and on and say things that we know, but, but what really impacts and what really changes someone's life is when they believe it, not just know it. See, it's not just an intellectual thing. It's something that changes your whole heart, your whole inner being. You remember a couple of months ago we had a service on the persecuted church and uh, there was a question that was a theme throughout that that whole morning and it was the question, is Jesus worth it? Now, sitting in church, uh, I think we'd be very quick to, to raise our hand and say, yes, Jesus is worth it. And some of that is intellectual, right? We know it. We've studied the word. We understand. But when somebody says, when God puts on your heart, I want you to go be a missionary in Africa, that's when it comes to the point of do you know it or do you believe it? When there's a great sacrifice that must be endured in your life, it goes from the point of do you know it or do you believe it? Because when you believe it, it leads you to actually be willing to make sacrifices in your life for what God has you to do. See, belief in something is what will drive people to surrender and sacrifice. 
Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, there's that word again, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We, we start off this, this verse with, with a confession, a declaration of, of our allegiance that Jesus is number one in my life. Nobody else comes before who he is. And then we see this word believe. Why doesn't it say no in your heart? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and know in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Because just because you know something doesn't mean that you've actually been willing to surrender to it to make sacrifices for it, to say, yes, this is. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Because if we follow down to verse 10, which is the second half there, excuse me, (coughs) we see that for with the heart one believes and is justified. Not with the knowledge. It's not an intellectual thing. It's a willingness to believe, to surrender in one's life. William McDonald, I love how he explains verse 10. He says this, and that's the the second part on the bottom. He says this, in further explanation, Paul writes that with the heart one believes unto righteousness. One believes and is justified. It is not a mere intellectual assent, but a genuine acceptance with one's whole inward being. Right? It's not just knowing. It's knowing in your head and surrendering in your heart. A complete giving over of one's being. He writes, when a person does that, he is instantly justified. Then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That is, the believer publicly confesses the salvation that he has already received. See, the the confession, the declaration with our mouths is because of the inward change that has happened through the belief. That's why in the beginning of the Apostles' Creed, it doesn't say, I know that God is the Lord Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. No, it's I believe it. Because that belief in something changes the way that we live our lives. With this verse here, Paul differentiates Christianity from so many, from every other religion in the world. And Gnosticism was was a problem, as we see throughout um, the the New Testament, as well as when the creed would have been written. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But but here Paul says this, that you believe and are justified. Every other religion, every other thing in life says, here's the bar, live up to it, and good luck. And Paul says, no, no, no. It's a belief. It's a surrender. It's understanding that Jesus is Lord and believing that with your heart. There's a study done by the Pew Research Center. And now if you can see how well you can see the the certain writings, um, but uh, talking about a belief in God. And in 2007, uh, in the United States of America, 71% of adults said with absolute certainty that they believed that there was a God. Seven years later, that number dropped by 8%, down to 63% of Americans who believe that with absolute certainty there is a God. What what, what makes my mind wonder certain things even more is is we go to the 20%, which says that they believe that there's a God, most likely. (laughs) There's probably a God, and i got to make sure I cover my bases. Um, There's a 5% after that. I believe in God, but... 
not actually really that sure if there is a God or not. And as they did this study, and I was looking at the different results that they had come up with, especially in 2014, because I think we see that trend, and it's obvious that trend has continued to where we are today in, in 2020, which is amazing to say, right, 2020? Um, but, but this idea of truly believing in one's life, just because you believe there is a God doesn't mean that you're saved, right? I'm not saying that this morning. <clears throat> but we've seen in our culture, and I think it's even more important that we study things like the Apostles' Creed to gain that depth, because there are people that say that they believe in God, but know nothing about who God is. Or maybe, there's, maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, you know, Tony, I, I think there's a God, but I'm not really sure. And this is for you this morning. This sermon, this sermon, this series is for you. I encourage you to keep coming because I hope and I pray that God's truth will be revealed to you as we walk through this. We see how important belief is. Acts 16.31, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. There's, there's so many different verses that we could walk through in the Bible, Old and New Testament, that talk about believing, 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 and it speaks to that surrender. You know, we don't know when the Apostles' Creed was originally written. I said that, but it was sometime between the 2nd and 3rd century, most likely, and Gnosticism was a problem at that time. The, the idea that there was some other knowledge outside of what God had given the apostles or, or the, the scriptures that had already been written down. Gnosticism believed that God couldn't be the one that truly created the earth because there was so much evil in the earth. Gnosticism believed that Jesus couldn't really be born of a human because, well, then he'd have to have sin in his life. And he couldn't have really died on earth, right? Because if he was really God, then could God die? And this is where we get the Apostles' Creed, which brings clarity to a lot of these questions that would have been arising. You know, the different creeds that were written at, at different times were all written for different purposes, right? Some for unity, some to address different doctrinal issues that existed within the church. Um, but we see the, the overwhelming evidence that this was really written as, as an addressing the Gnosticism that existed during that time. But the thing is, it's based on biblical truth, and so it still rings true to our ears today. And, and you know, maybe, maybe you're sitting here this morning, and, um, man, you, you love Jesus, you, you've sold out to Jesus in your heart, and you believe that he is the only way to heaven, but, but you don't truly understand that, yeah, we are also supposed to be a part of a body of believers, a local church. Maybe, maybe you, you, man, you, just, you know that God is the creator, but you just really struggle with the forgiveness of sin and, and really realizing that God has forgiven you past, present, and future if you've surrendered your life to him. This is where things like the creed help us to understand when we study them through the lens of scripture. So why don't you take a minute, stand with me.
Stretch your legs, and we're going to read through this together. <coughs> so I'm missing a slide. Read the first one, and then let me read the second one, and we'll read together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. I encourage you as, as we go out this week, next week in your bulletin, there will be a little card that you'll be able to take home and you'll be able to put on your fridge or, or whatever to be able to memorize this creed. Now, and now again, I want you to understand this this morning, and I want to emphasize this over and over and over again, that we're not preaching the creed as scripture, right? The basis for these sermons and this sermon series is not a piece of paper that has the Apostles' Creed written on it. It's the Word of God, right? And so we're going to be looking at the different things the Apostles' Creed said, but it's all through the lens of Scripture. It's all through the sun reflecting its light on the moon. And it gives us such a clear picture of who God is. I pray that as we start this series, and as we continue through, that it will bring clarity to you in understanding theology, understanding God, understanding why we believe what we believe, why the church has recited this for, for over two or close to 2,000 years. I pray it will bring depth, a deeper knowledge of, of who God is, how much he loves you, the gospel message, and the whole story. And I pray ultimately that it will bring us closer together as a family in Christ. Because if, if you remember from last week, we want to grow deeper so that we can reach farther. Would you pray with me? Father God, we, we thank you for being with us today. We know, Lord, that you're, that you're always here, that you're ever present. <laughs> but Lord, we're thankful for that. We don't thank you enough for that. Father, we know and, that, that at times in our lives, our belief struggles. Help our unbelief. Lord, may we, may we be drawn closer to you through this creed, through this series, as we, we look into Scripture to see more about who you are and what you have given us and revealed to us. Father, we, we ask that you would help us to grow deeper and closer to you, and Father, that we would also grow closer to each other. 
Father, that would bring a unity amongst the body in Mount Vernon. Lord, we ask that in everything, you alone are glorified. In Jesus' name. Let's just stand as we close in worship.